I feel privileged that I haven't gone through a lot of things that I know people very close to me have had something so normalized as physical abuse towards women. And it's something that is painful, is sad, but it also can give you a, a lot of shame as well. And it can be difficult to talk about that. But I can empathize towards that. I can talk that through acknowledging that I don't know what it's like. We need to talk things through to heal better. And I feel that society doesn't promote the conversation enough. For me, in my case, music and composing is my way of understanding what I'm feeling. And every time that a horrible situation happens worldwide, I feel that that could be me any day. And it's very important to keep that in mind. And that's where I try to write from when I write my songs. That was Ile, and this is Shiro's, a podcast with a mission to turn up the volume of women's voices in music across genres and generations. I'm Carmel Holt, and what you're about to hear is a previously aired interview from my syndicated public radio show, She Rose Radio. She Rose is a deep dive into the experiences and perspectives of women and gender expansive folks in a still overwhelmingly male-dominated music industry. It's a space where we discuss the challenges and triumphs, how far we've come, and how far we still have to go. Telling our stories is the first step to making music a better space for everyone. A podcast with a mission to turn up the volume of women's voices in music across genres and generations. I'm Carmel Holt, and what you're about to hear is a previously aired interview from my syndicated public radio show, She Rose Radio. She Rose is a deep dive into the experiences and perspectives of women and gender expansive folks in a still overwhelmingly male-dominated music industry. It's a space where we discuss the challenges and triumphs how far we've come, and how far we still have to go. Telling our stories is the first step to making music a better space for everyone. This week's guest has been a professional musician for half of her life. Before the Puerto Rican singer, songwriter, composer, and activist Ileana Cabra forged her own path and became a Grammy-winning solo artist under the name Ile, for a decade, she was known as PG-13, a singer and rapper and sole female member of the superstar alternative hip-hop group Calle Trece with her older brothers, which she joined at 16 years old. She could have chosen to ride the fame and success of Calle Trece, who with 21 Latin Grammys holds the record. But instead, Ileana reinvented herself as Ile, following her passion for more traditional Latin sounds, embodying and celebrating feminine power, and her own voice. Her solo debut, Ile Vitable, arrived in 2016, and the response was immediate. Ile was awarded a Latin Grammy as Best New Artist that year, and the album won a Grammy Award in 2017. Her follow-up, Almadura, came in 2019 and was also also Grammy-nominated, and now Ile has returned with her most directly feminist, politically outspoken, and sonically adventurous album yet, Nakarile. And she joins us now as this week's Shiro in the Spotlight. Ile, welcome to Shiro's Radio. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Congratulations on this third studio album, Nakarile. What a clever title. Can you, for <laughs> our listeners, explain what that means? And Nakarile is an expression that we use a lot here in Puerto Rico. The whole phrase is Nakarile del Oriente, like Nakarile from the uh, Orient. And it basically means like no 
like with a lot of attitude. What I like about it is that it's very determined and very sure, you know? So it's like, even if it's something negative for me, it's towards like something more motivational because of the way we use it. So yeah, that's Nakarile. <laughs> and there's a bunch of that that I think that we're going to end up talking about on this record where you take back the power about some of these things. You flip the meaning of some things. And of course, being here on Shiro's, we love that in the feminist perspective. So I'm excited to dive in and talk about some of these songs. In fact, maybe we could start with the song Traguito with Mon Lafert. Yeah, I love boleros. For me, boleros is part of my life. It's where I felt that I connected the expression of singing with my voice, like being a Puerto Rican. We listened to a lot of salsa and many salsa singers also sang boleros. I like that it can be so elegant, but at the same time, it can be so raw and so intimate and so direct. And it also has a lot of attitude to it. But the only thing that I felt that it was maybe missing was more of that feminine perspective, but not only from the romantic side, but also like from a very firm and direct uh, perspective. So I wanted to play a little with what can be said as uh, micro-machismos. Uh, I don't know how to say machismos in English, uh, mm -hmm. but part of the normalization we tend to do towards patriarchy. And for me, it's interesting because sometimes we are more aware of the bigger perspective, but I feel that a lot of uh, subtleties can go unperceived into patriarchy as well, you know? And for me, it was important to talk about that, especially in this song that I feel that has a lot of attitude. I wanted to do a very street-like boleros, like very informal and very raw. Um, and that's why I wanted to play with this micro machismos, you know, something that we are maybe tired of listening to, like, Women are complicated and women are not easy, you know. Sometimes like we tend to believe those type of things. And it is crazy like how used to we are to listening these things. So for me, it was necessary to speak about that in this song where the chorus says, it's not that I was difficult, it's that I was how I wanted to be. <laughs> so yeah, it's like a way of just expressing very firmly that I don't have to live my life pleasing patriarchy. I should live my life with the freedom that it corresponds to me to living. Quiero, pidiéndome otro traguito. 
Nakarile is our guest today on Shiro's Radio. The new album is called Nakarile Traguito. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Traguito? super. <laughs> With Mon Laferte. I really love the fact that you bring so many other women's voices in with you on this album, too. It starts with Flor de Toloache, who I absolutely love. They're an all-female mariachi band, which is as weirdly unique as that sounds. I don't know how many all-female mariachi bands there are, but I'm thinking not that many. Uh, Um, (laughs) And they're actually out of New York City. And then there's Natalia Lafourcade, who's a recent guest here on Shiro's Radio from Mexico, and Ivy Queen, who's a reggaeton star, and also this intergenerational thing that you have going. So not only are you bringing some other Latina women into your music and into this album, but also it's across generations and across genres, which is all about what we do here. Can you talk to us a little bit about your intention there? Well, as individual songs, maybe yes, but as a whole, like I didn't think through who was going to collaborate in this album. I think they all flowed naturally and unexpectedly for me. Also, because if someone comes to mind, like I'm not expecting, oh yeah, that person is going to love this song and they're going to say yes. I expect (laughs) anything. So uh, maybe I try not to be too attached to a collaboration. But obviously someone like Evie Queen, for example, if I wanted really to do something with her, I felt like I needed something to be very powerful because it's not only about us as women, but also like what we represent from our different generations. And for me, like she represents so much in the urban genre here in Puerto Rico. Like I remember being younger and listening to one of her songs and feeling very identified because like I was speaking this recently, like perreo here is something that we've learned to embrace throughout the years because there was a time where it was like, you know, super wrong. And a a lot of people still think that way, but now we are embracing the reggaeton and perreo as part of our culture without being so afraid to accept it. And for me, like Evie was one of those female voices that needed to be heard because she wasn't just a female figure. She was a female voice that it was super necessary, especially in that moment where you only felt you were listening to songs that were very abusive and very violent towards women. And I remember being younger, like I didn't know if I wanted to do perreo or dance or not, because I didn't want to send the wrong message to anyone. But then suddenly Evie comes up with this song that she says, oh no, I I can dance. I can do this, but that doesn't mean that I have to do what you want me to do. And for me, it was so powerful to listen to that because it was, yes, exactly. Like (laughs) I can express myself however I want. And it's my decision to do what I want. So it was amazing to work with her. And especially in this song that speaks about that, especially about redefining what something beautiful or something nice is to us. People tend to put stigmas like women love this or women are supposed to like this type of stuff that are stereotypical. But I feel that it's not at all what represents what we do like or what we do want to hear as women. Más vale que las palabras lindas te rindan O por mi descendencia y los ovarios que me guindan Me importa poco de lo que me tildan Nunca he creído que calladita me veo más linda Cuando escupo es como fuego y ácido Se ve que tu palabra es como tu desflacido Yo los mato rápido, el ritmo decapitó Yo chambeo, plazo automático 
Ile is our guest today on Shiro's Radio. The new album is called Nakarile. That was Algo Bonito. And speaking of something beautiful and stigmas around female beauty, I remember this really great conversation I had with Lido Pimienta. Do you know her from yeah. Colombia? Yeah. And we were talking about the standards of beauty in Colombia. And she was telling me how there's such an emphasis on a particular kind of beauty for women and this beauty pageant thing and lots of plastic surgery. And I wanted to explore that with you. Do you relate to that? And is that part of Puerto Rican culture? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the thing is that here maybe is for most people, it's more difficult to perceive because Puerto Rico is so small and we feel that everyone is mixed up that, yeah, you can see that. But at the same time, when you see everyone mixed up together, you can see differences, you know, that society can do. And and it's something that it is difficult for us because of that, because we feel, oh no, like those types of things don't happen here. But then suddenly, like we still watch, for me, it's crazy, but we still watch Miss Universe, you know, and it's very cultural here to watch those type of contests. And it's crazy how that shows so much ugly sides of many people that criticize beauty publicly and you know and it doesn't matter if it's public or not you know like they suddenly feel powerful criticizing the beauty in those type of contests where you feel that you have the right somehow to do that because people might think oh yeah it's a beauty contest I'm supposed to judge her beauty and you know and say something nice or something bad about it and it's crazy because sometimes a lot of models are obligated to thin their nose and to have like this particular beauty that is not representative of who we really are. And I think that it's a combination of many things because I do have to acknowledge that there are many organizations and group of people that are trying to change that. But at the same time, massively is still not happening. It's like maybe ask ourselves, why do we feel that shame? Why do we feel that there are some types of things that are not representative of what beauty is? And maybe it has like a very way back origin, but it's mostly because we see beauty as something white. And I feel that all comes from that, but it's very sick for me. It's very crazy but it is a reality. And I know that we don't speak about it as much because some people feel shame from that. But at the same time, it's not something that we want to recognize that it exists. But, you know, sometimes we do have to have difficult conversations exactly. to, to make those type of ugly things in our society go away. Well said. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're here to do. And I appreciate you sharing all that. And I was curious, doing these kinds of songs, is the motivation to stir it up and and start these conversations or maybe both a personal response to things that you've been thinking about, that you've experienced, that you want to shift for yourself? Yeah, maybe it's a combination of both things, because sometimes when you feel misunderstood, It can be so frustrating and it can make you angry. And for me, 
I feel that I have to find a way to organize those emotions because sometimes my message cannot be transmitted maybe the way I want it to because I'm too consumed by my emotions and I'm just expecting to people just to understand. <laughs> and part of organizing my emotions when I feel that anger, that frustration is accepting that Not everyone comes from the same reality. Not everyone has the same perspective and we can all learn from each other. You know, I feel privileged that I haven't gone through a lot of things that I know people very close to me have had something so normalized as physical abuse towards women. And it's something that is painful, is sad, but it also can give you a, a lot of shame as well. And it can be difficult to talk about that. And especially maybe with someone like me that doesn't know what it is, maybe. But I can empathize towards that. I can talk that through acknowledging that I don't know what it's like. It's important because we need to talk things through to heal better. And I feel that society doesn't promote the conversation enough as it should, because that's where we let it all out. And I feel that for me, in my case, music and composing is my way of understanding what I'm feeling. And every time that a horrible situation happens worldwide, I feel that that could be me any day. You know, because I haven't been through things, it doesn't mean it cannot happen to me. And it's very important to keep that in mind. And that's where I try to write from when I write my songs, because it really it gets very deep into my emotions and my mind. And I just really don't want this type of horrible abuse towards women and towards society and communities to happen no more. So it's just like my way of speaking about it because I feel that I need to. That's why I always recommend writing as a tool. And we just went through these couple of years where everybody was affected by COVID-19. It was the most dramatic demonstration of how interconnected and basically the same we all are I kind of expected more out of this time. But I think the positive thing is, is that we are having more of these conversations. We had the Black Lives Matter uprising that happened during that time. And I do think that there's a lot more conversations up about the rights of women. Yeah, I think like it's super necessary <laughs> to keep digging, you know, more information. I mean, it, here in Puerto Rico, being colonized for so many years, like I feel that Now we are embracing many things that, like I said before, like we felt shameful about our own history, our own culture, but it's part of learning from that and create something new where we can all feel happy. You know, <laughs> it sounds very simple, but it somehow becomes very complicated for us because we become accustomed to being mistreated and surviving. But mm. feeling accustomed to that doesn't mean that we should feel that way or that we need to settle with things that are simply not fair for us. Abuse of power works that way. I was talking about that before, you know, it's crazy how people misinterpret what power should be. Power should be for everyone, not only for a group of people. And power doesn't mean controlling people. For me, that's why it's super necessary to speak about this. And we should not let this type of 
subtleties pass by because it doesn't matter how small the abuse of power can be, it's still abuse and we need to speak about it and attack it to prevent something worse to become. Ile is our guest today on Shiro's Radio. The new album is called Nakarile, and maybe you could pick the next song to go into here. Is there anything that comes to mind based on the things that we've been talking about? Well, maybe I would say Cuando Te Miro because it's a song that speaks about toxic relationships and how we as women sometimes feel like we need to rescue the other person. And that guilt, it's some feelings that they become a pattern in toxic relationships. And as well, the other side where men feel that they should not show their emotions and they just rely on women for them to deal with that. And this song speaks about that. Ile is our guest today on Shiro's Radio. The new album is called Nakarile. It's her third, and it's called Cuando Te Miro, featuring Rodrigo Cuevas. He's a Spanish yeah. artist, I want to say. Yeah, okay. Yeah, from Asturias. You had spoken a little bit earlier about when you were growing up. We were talking about, speaking of one of your collaborators, Ivy Queen. I wanted to hear more about young Ileana before you were Ile. Talk to us a little bit about your journey with music and how you became Ile. Well, I come from a big family and in the house that I grew up, I was the little one. So I remember listening to a lot of music in my house not only my mom and my dad, also my brothers and sisters. So it was a lot of information for me. And even though I had my own moments of, you know, listening to pop music and what was going on in the radio sometimes, I remember, you know, balancing it with other types of stuff. And my dad, he listens to a lot of rock, but also he listens to a lot of salsa And I remember, especially with salsa singers, he used to ask me, like, who's singing in this song? And it was like a good exercise for me to really listen to the interpreter of that particular song and what particular thing it had that it made me recognize that voice or that orchestra, you know? So it was cool because it was like a game. It was fun. But I remember, you know, not having everything right. Not all of them I could recognize. But then when, as I got older, I think it comes from that. It made me listen deeper into the songs and, you know, really understand what they were singing about and why they were singing the way they were singing it. And that's why I felt a connection with Bolero afterwards, because then when I was more into my teenage years, I got deeper into Boleros because my dad presented me to the voice of La Lupe. And I felt a deep connection because I felt like she was speaking her songs like very passionate and very dramatic, but it felt authentic. It felt genuine. <laughs> and for me, it was crazy like to feel that something very deep in my heart. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I, I felt that it was 
cool for me to keep digging and keep analyzing these female voices in boleros. And I kept knowing more and more. So that's why for me, like I come from my brother's groups with Calle 13. I collaborated with them for 10 years and a lot of people were expecting me to do something like that, you know, but I always knew that I wanted to play with Bolero. And I always say that the first big Calle 13 concert here in Puerto Rico, I sang a song from La Lupe. So I know that my family also knew that I wanted to do Boleros sometime in my life. So that's why I started with Ilevitable playing more with Boleros. And did you play an instrument when you were growing up? I did. I started playing the piano. Now I feel that I don't know the piano at all. Everything got almost erased from my mind. And I feel a little shame about that because I played the piano for like eight years. And then when I started with my brothers officially, like it was a very tough decision for me to make. Suddenly I knew that if I wanted to explore more what singing was about, I knew that I had to choose one or the other. Like I couldn't do both things. So in that time, singing was something newer to me. And I've also sang since I was little. It's just that I didn't took it so seriously. And my grandmother loved me to sing. So maybe I gave it a chance. And then I discovered that it's really like my best way to express music. Like I feel that maybe it was my path all along. <laughs> Clearly it was. <laughs> Ile is our guest today on Shiro's Radio. The new album is called Nakarile. What is it like for women in Latin music? Is it different, do you think, than any other kind of music or different than it might be in like, say, indie rock? Do you feel outnumbered? Do you feel like there's still sexism in the genre? genre of music that you're in. And I know you sort of straddle a few different genres, but what are your impressions? Um, I try to not let it consume me because it can be overwhelming. But yeah, definitely you feel like as a woman sometimes, and now especially with social media, it's like you feel that you have to show something in order to receive some type of interaction with people that is watching you. And for me, I mean, something as simple as that can translate into your music as well. Like suddenly it becomes toxic. I mean, it depends on from where you do it, because like if you do it as an obligation, then it's not a good thing. But if you do it because you want to, then it's okay. Because I don't have a problem if it comes natural to you or if it's something that you feel that you just want to express. You mean like uh, being sexy, like yeah, sexualizing yeah, yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I respect that. But I also know that, I mean, society just loves to sexualize, especially women, you know, sexualize everything, but especially women. So... Mm. I don't like when some people can feel that they need to submit to that. That's the only thing that I don't like. And I do feel that social media can do that just to be recognized, you know, just to people click on your photo, you know, things like that is super crazy. So you feel that it doesn't matter really what music you do on or how well or how talented you are. It's just how good you look or how bad you look <laughs> It's very sad. And it also can connect to the conversation we had earlier about, about beauty and the power we feel of criticizing that. And I do feel that we as 
women experience that. And the crazy thing is, like I said before, that we get accustomed to receiving that. And that's why I say those type of things, I try not to be consumed by it. But I do realize and recognize that it is a reality and part of our toxic and destructive things about our society that need to be <laughs> fixed. But yeah, I mean, I feel that also as Latin, it can be even worse, you know, for many people, because especially as a Puerto Rican, I feel that Caribbean people, Caribbean women can be seen as something exotic. And you do feel that with people that can be closer to you than you think, you know, Latin Americans, Europeans, we speak the same language, but sometimes you can feel that distance that you feel, oh, you think that just because I'm from the Caribbean and our climate is like we hot, hot? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it translates like to that. We feel that because it can be very subtle, but you know, you're Puerto Rican, you're easy. It's very crazy to feel that because I can feel that coming from a very unconscious place. Like I know that some people just do it from a bad place, but I know that most of them don't even realize what they are implying, you know, and like I said, with very small things. So it's crazy because it's, it's not only Latinas, it's like, it's very hard for people to eliminate stereotypes. Naturally, they just go there and, and it's crazy because as Latinos, like we are very used to that. And it's unfortunate because like, it's almost like a defense mechanism that we have naturally. But like I said, the conversation can maybe confront that and it can make maybe the other person acknowledge something that they weren't aware about. Have you had to or have you ever felt that you had to work harder or prove more than your male counterparts in music, like even your brothers coming up in the studio or just in the music industry in general? Have you personally felt that? Yeah, I mean, I do acknowledge that. Luckily, I come from a big family and I have many brothers and many sisters. And since I'm the little one, I feel that they've always, because we're very connected to each other, like they've always shown me that part of reality. I, I mean, they've always been afraid for me to be shocked by something that I wasn't expecting. So I think that's why they always spoke to me about like throughout my growing years about things that maybe are not so cool that I might be confronting. And for me, that was very helpful for me when actually confronting those type of things, because I feel that I, I see it maybe from another place, even if it's shocking and it is still something difficult that you don't want to deal with. But I try to see it as something that we just need to, like I said, speak about. And okay. that's what I try to do every time I feel that I'm treated in a way that I don't like. I try to say it at the moment, you know, very respectfully. But yeah, I feel that I cannot let it pass by because I feel that I'm sending the wrong message. I'm allowing it to happen. So I shouldn't feel that way because I shouldn't feel guilty about something that I didn't do. <laughs> But at the same time, I feel that the only thing that I can do is just say it and say, oh, I feel that you're being condescending with me. And, you know, very respectfully, but I feel that I do have to speak it out because maybe you make the other person be aware of something that they just 
didn't realize. And especially in work, those type of things can happen. But there's also a lot of people that are just simply disrespectful and the conversation can be tougher. <laughs> Speaking of respectful, I want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> Eli, it has been so wonderful to spend some time with you. And you. if I could ask you one more question, do you think that this is the most feminist album perhaps that you've made thus far? Would you consider yourself a feminist? Yeah, I do. I, I do consider myself <laughs> a feminist until those terms don't have to exist anymore because like exactly because we're, we're, we're all, all equal <laughs> exactly <Yes. laughs> but yeah maybe i mean i haven't thought of it consciously but yeah maybe it is maybe it is my most feminist but i feel that it depends on the look of feminist because i feel that all of them like can speak about that, but from very different ways. So maybe this one can be the most direct. <laughs> and maybe also I can go out on a limb here and say that it comes with age too, to feel more and more empowered to do so, to be more direct. Yeah, exactly. You think that's and, right? And also like for people to understand better. <laughs> yeah, because then you become less afraid of speaking what you actually feel. So it's healing. I really, really recommend everyone to write, even if it's not a song or a poem or whatever. Like for me, writing, it is very healing. So I do recommend it. <laughs> Ile, what a pleasure to have you. Before we wrap up today, would you please choose another song off of the new album? Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, maybe I can say Escapándome de mí is one of my favorites. It's about taking a leap of faith when you feel a little scared to confront something new in your life or someone new in your life, but you feel that it might be good for you somehow. Sometimes I tend to worry beforehand a lot more than when I take that leap of faith and suddenly... I grow and I learn something new from it. And, you know, it's a good thing to do sometimes. <laughs> Was this new album a leaf of faith? I think so, yeah. Tengo el corazón expuesto Siento que me puedes ver Te pido no hagas un gesto Que me pueda enternecer Eli, thanks again for being with us on Shiras. Thank you. Many thanks once again to Ile for being with us. Her third album, Nakarile, is out now on Sony Music Latin. Shiro's is produced by me, is mixed and mastered by Kelly Drake. We get production assistance from Emma Philippos. Our original theme music is by Lucius. Shiro's is also a nationally syndicated radio show. You can visit shirosradio.com to find out more and support our work with Patreon or merch from the Shiro's shop. Keep in touch on the Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Carmel Holt or find us at Shiro's Radio. And please consider leaving us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us grow and bring you more Shiro's. Until next time, remember, music is our superpower. I'm Carmel Holt. Thanks for listening. <laughs>